Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Tony, and as Sophia said, we're the lead pastors here. And before we jump into today's message, I know that that video for some of you uh, addresses a, a pretty difficult and heavy topic. And maybe we're aware that there might even be people here in this room where that might have surfaced some things. Uh, We want to let you know a couple things. One is our church is never going to shy away from the difficult topics in society. We believe the Bible speaks to them. We believe that uh, God's grace meets each and every one of us right where we're at. And so if this was a difficult video for you, man, I just want to let you know God's grace is right there for you to meet you, to heal areas in your life. And uh, like I said, we are just adamant that we're not going to shy away from the difficult questions that this world and the difficult topics that are surrounding our culture in this day and age. Uh, In fact, this is where I've landed as, as the pastor of this church is I don't like the answers the world is giving to the difficult questions. And I don't think it's time for the church to shrink back. I think it's time for the church to rise up and give the answers to these things. And so I, I just want to let you know we're, we're in that vein. I, I know even for those of you that were here last week, before we jump into today's message, I know last week for some was pretty difficult. There were some things that were said that maybe kind of uh, uh, poked or prodded a couple things. I want to let you know, yes, we're going to keep learning. We're going to keep growing. We're going to get better at communicating. Uh, you know, as you heard from Lane last week, we're going to, we're going to grow and continue to develop even his speaking skill. But here's what I do want to say is we will never shy away from having these conversations because church, we've got to have the answer. And if we don't have the answer, I'm not quite sure I like, like I said, the answers we're getting anywhere else. We're going to look at the Word of God, we're going to stand on the Word of God, and we're going to journey with people, and we will never stop welcoming the conversation of difficult topics. So with that being said, let's continue on our journey this uh, this. Uh, series that we've kicked off on the way of Jesus. We're talking about how before we were even called Christians, we were called followers of the way. And the reason for that is because Jesus didn't come just to model a certain way of living, but he also taught and quite frankly, uh, sends us into the mission field to live out his Ways And today we want to look at the scripture in the book of Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord in honor to his word today. And it says this in Luke 18 verses 9 through 14. If you have your Bible, would you open it up? If not, it's on the screen. And it says this. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. I'm going to pause right there. Right now, I just want you to realize, no, this sermon is not for somebody else. Sometimes we read words like this, passages like this. Oh, those that were confident in their own righteousness and score. How dared I I, I want to let you know this, this message is for you and for me. 
It ain't for our neighbor. It ain't for that other person that popped in your head. I, I want you to internalize this. This message is for you, okay? I, I love you enough to tell you that. Here we go. Two men, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, because I'm not like any of the other jokers out there. Right? He, he says, I'm not like these people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that guy, the tax collector. Goes on to say, uh, now, if you don't believe me, God, let me tell you my resume. These are all the things I do for you, God. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But this tax collector stood at a distance. Look at this. And dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Listen to this. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you because your word is alive and it's active. And Father, it allows us to understand what's right, what's wrong, what's truth, what's a lie. I thank you, God, because your word pierces even the hardest of hearts. And so I pray today, God, that you would soften our hearts by your word and you would cause us to be those that think like Jesus, that talk like Jesus, that live like Jesus, that love the way Jesus loved. God, we want to be like those that were not only called by, by you, but those that live out your mission in this world in our everyday life. No matter where we're at on our journey of faith this morning, I pray that you would reveal your son and who he is to us, God, for we know we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can go ahead and take a seat. I don't know if you noticed, but the sun is finally out in Idaho. Come on. Oh, my Lord, I am so excited. Um, I I'm telling you, the sun came out. If you didn't notice, it was a long winter. It was a pretty long winter here in Idaho. My motorcycle has been screaming at me in the garage. It's been sitting there going, Tony, just fire me up and take me for a drive. And so this morning, that's what I did, y'all. I rode into church on my bike, and I'm so glad for it. But um, uh, more than me getting to ride my motorcycle, the sun coming out in Idaho also means uh, my wife, Sophia, gets to tell me things like this. I don't think we have enough trees in our backyard. Um, you, mind, you mind just digging like five holes here for me to come and plant them? You know, the sun coming out means it's time for veggie gardens. Come on. It's time for herb gardens. It's time for the roses to come up. And, but, but in order for that to happen, it means Tony, and come on, come on, husbands out there, you've got a long list of things that you got to do, so say goodbye to your free time, y'all, because the sun is out. It means guns are out. You better get to work. And uh, so about a week or so ago, Sophia comes to me and she says, honey, by the way, husbands, I'm trying to help you out today. And if you're getting ready to get married, I'm going to really help you out. When your wife says, I got a vision for the backyard, <laughs> you better get ready to go, ah, and my wallet was going, ah, 
you know, to the vision she had. And so she says, here on, on this side of the yard, I just see uh, six veggie garden beds and, and I want to do this and I want to do that and trellises here and trellises and a border here and border there. And, and so before I know it, I come home from work and in my driveway are six garden beds that because she's a pit bull and when she wants something, she gets it. She, she got it. It was already unloaded, and all I had to do was unload the two tons of dirt from the back of the pickup into the, into the, into the veggie garden, right? No big deal. Tony, you got this. Oh, and by the way, Tony, it's noon on a Friday, your day off. Kids come home at 3. I really want this to be done before the kids come home. So I go back there, and I go, okay, you know, because I'm, I'm a great example of a husband, you know, because I am just, you know, the image bearer of perfection. I, I, I go, honey, what is it that you would like, right? And so uh, let me take my notes, you know, and I begin to take notes of all the details. And so we go out there, and she's like, I, I just feel like we could do the six boxes here. And the moment she said six boxes, I go, yeah, it ain't, they ain't going to fit. Like, uh, if you've been in our backyard, there, there, it's, it's a bit of a tight space. I'm like, babe, six boxes are not going to fit there. And she's like, they're going to fit. I'm like, no, I, 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 they're not going to fit. Like, it's just, there's not enough space for six boxes. I know I went to Bible college, but it's simple math, you know? And, and I go, babe, you, you want room to walk through them? You want room to like kneel down, you know? And she's like, Tony, they're going to fit. And so we take out the tape measure. And how many of you know that even though there's eight tape measures in your house, when the heat begins to rise, they all go missing. And so now my Latino blood, it's like it begins to boil from the heels and begins to rise up. Come on, gentlemen, help me out here. It's this magical thing that happens. My blood, instead of pumping down, it pumps up, right? Like, and so I'm like, okay, six boxes won't fit there, babe. Yes, they will, babe. How many know that the babe becomes more and more intense? And the thing that's embarrassing about this is some of y'all go to church. Y'all are my neighbors. And so like now I'm like, okay, they're going to hear us. The Caradonas are going to hear us. You know, the so-and-sos are going to hear us. And so I'm like, um, so they're, they're just not going to fit. And so she pulls out the tape measure and she begins to measure everything and begins to prove me wrong. And this thing just rises up in me. And even though I know she's right, I'm not gonna say it. I'm like, right, come on. I'm like, I know she's right, but I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. And she just kinda, how many of you know that she just kinda walks away, like drops the mic, is like, I'll, I'll leave you to it, cause you know I'm right. And when I come back, these six boxes are gonna be here. If you ever come to my backyard, you're gonna find six garden boxes. Isn't that the way pride works, though, sometimes? That it just sneaks up on you. Pride can be this thing that even in the simplest of moments, even in the simplest of conversations, even in the simplest of exchanges, all of the sudden, this dark thing that wells up inside of us rises up and causes us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. This thing called pride where even when I know the other person's right, I'm going to dig my heels like Tony did and allow this thing called pride to sneak in. And what's the antidote, you may ask, to pride? Well, I'm glad you asked because today I want to talk to you about the way of humility. 
The reality is that the antidote to pride is living a humble life, living with a humble attitude. So I want to give you, as always, three things for you to consider in regards to the way of humility. Number one, I want you to understand something, and that is this. Humility levels the playing field. Humility levels the playing field. Luke chapter 18, this latter part of the 14th verse says this, and I I want you to watch me as we read this together. Those that exalt themselves will be humbled. Do you see that? And those that humble themselves will be exalted. Do, do, Do you see what the word of God says? So I think highly of myself, I'll be brought back down to earth. I think lowly of myself and I'll be exalted. It levels the playing field. And the truth is, if you're here today and your heart's beating and there's blood flowing through your veins and you're a human being with with desires and aspirations and imperfections and and giftings and and challenges and victories in your life and all those things, If, if you're any of those things here today, the truth that I've learned about you and I is this, is that Depending on the situation, we may think too highly of ourselves or too lowly of ourselves. And in different circumstances, we can actually swap. Put me in front of the alternator of a car, and I'm going to think really lowly of myself because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not going to be walking in confidence. Tell me how to make six veggie garden boxes fit into a 10 by 10 space, I am now going to walk confidently in how that's going to work. Right? Depending on what situation you're facing, you may look at yourself as somebody that's overly qualified or underqualified. And the beauty of humility is that it is a great leveler of all people. It brings the overly confident back to reality and the underconfident into a place of, hear me, grace and empowerment. But when it comes to humility, it must be said that humility will not just require a self-awareness, but a willingness to inwardly self-reflect. You know, I think some of the practices that we as modern believers or followers of Christ have lost have to do with practices that the early church did for a reason, such as truly meditating on the word of God, having quiet moments of prayer and reflection where we don't just approach God and rattle off things and then walk away. It's in the silence. It's in the stillness. It's in that moment where we too, like David, a man touted to be a man after God's own heart, can have the courage and the valor to say, search me and know me, O God. And if there's any iniquity in me, some versions say literally rip it right out of me is what some translations in the original verbiage would say. In other words, God, I'm willing to not just be self-aware, but I'm willing to sit with you in reflection and meditation of the things that are happening inside of me. But I would venture to say that if you're anything like me, many times sitting in stillness with the Lord is a really difficult thing. We live in a go, 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 go society. 
There's veggies to be planted. There's children to be picked up from school. There are appointments to, to be made to. You, you, there are things that you just have to get done. And I want to just pump, help you pump the brakes and give you permission in your life to pump the brakes and create the margins for God to form something in you that only happens when I spend time in solitude and silence with him. But if you're anything like another human being, like myself, is usually we want to run away from moments of inward self-reflection. Maybe we want to medicate those moments. Maybe we want to run away, we want to cover up, we want to mask those moments. And I want to encourage you today, more than just a self-awareness, would you be willing, in humility, to sit in silence with the Lord? By the way, by the way, this is why we believe so much in community. Because in addition to an inward self-awareness, you've got to have people that you trust in your life that can speak to the blind spots of your life. You've got to have people in your life that you trust that can say, hey, uh, you're not always getting it right on this. I know you enough and I, and I love you enough to, to be able to tell you, man, there's this area in your life. I don't want you. And here's the thing, church. There are so many Christians or believers that walk decades with blind spots because they refuse to open their lives up to a community that would be willing to speak into their lives. And I know that in modern Christianity, this is no longer popular. In fact, modern Christianity has now adapted what culture has adapted at times, and that is we've allowed cancel culture to seep into our culture. If you disagree with me, you're out of my life. You don't see, I, I, I don't want you in my life. And church, I want to warn us against that. For to walk humbly before the Lord, we must be willing to have those people in our lives to input into those areas of our lives. And by the way, I know what I'm about to say. Maybe some of you will pass through the filter of, well, Tony, that's easy for you to say because you're an authority, but I've got to say it. This is why spiritual hierarchy and spiritual authority is an actual biblical thing. This is why it's important for you to have pastors over your life. This is why it's important for you to have people in your life that are beyond the maybe even your spiritual walk or even your just your regular walk that can speak into your life. But most of us don't like the word submission to authority. And I know, and I get it, maybe because somebody has abused it. And let me tell you, just because the authority that God has placed in your life might be imperfect, it does not mean that God doesn't have them there to help you be the fence before your hill. And I knew that today I'd poke some nerves. So let me further poke more nerves. First Peter 5, 1 through 7 says this, I exhort speaking of spiritual authority, speaking of spiritual covering, speaking of even just the, the levels and layers of community and life in our, and, and, and leadership in our lives. It says this, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Say with me, likewise. 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 Say it again, likewise. 
All right, perfect. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And I just lost half of you because you don't like that word subject. And it says this, clothe yourselves, but say with me, all of you. Now the writer's not just addressing the, for lack of better terms, the subject and the authority. It's all, and, here, and here's what I want us to catch in all this. All of you clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because why? He cares for you. So even in biblical hierarchy of leadership, we see that the unifying umbrella for all of us is humility. I want you to know here at Legacy Church, our leadership team strives to walk in humility. But humility is something that we are all called to walk in together. Where we walk hand in hand in humility. Where we understand that, that what destroys relationships is pride. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but have you ever noticed that, the, that it's pride that destroys that coworker you had that got that raise and got that promotion and he or she let it get to her head? Right? Have you ever noticed that it's, it's your pride that causes the strife and allows you to dig your heels in, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships? It's pride that destroys all sorts of relationships, which is why humility is key, not just to walk with Jesus, but hear me, but as to how we relate with one another. And that leads me to my second point today, and that is this, humility chooses relationship over being right. Humility chooses relationship over always having to be right. Do you enter a disagreement? Do you enter an argument ready for you to prove that you're right and that person's wrong? Or do you enter a disagreement or an argument with the heart of how do I win this brother or sister over? How do I restore maybe something that's been broken? How do we grow in this together? And I'm telling you, if you're married here today, I I hope this, like, I'm trying to help you out. Because what happens a lot of times in marriages is there's a disagreement. And what happens is immediately it's like you against that person as opposed to us two against this thing. And when, we, and when we approach a disagreement, when we approach an argument, when we approach an offense with the intent of restoring, we choose relationship over always being right. Yep. Luke 18, 11 through 13 says this, the Pharisee stood by himself. I just want to stop right there and point that out. The Pharisee stood by himself. In other words, I want to be isolated from relationship. In other words, I don't want anyone to hear what I'm saying to, 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 to God. In other words, this is just me, myself, proving to God just how right I am. Now, I did some research, and because it stood out to me like that, that he stood by himself. And I did some research, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing for a Pharisee to approach God alone. In fact, He's simply following a custom. 
But scholars and theologians will argue that as we read through these stories of the Pharisees, what they conclude that the Pharisees consistently got wrong, hear me, was that when they placed customs and religious practices before love for people, that's where they began to get it wrong. And so you see this Pharisee approaching God with, this is how right I am, God. These are all the good things that I do for you, God. Look at all, look at how right I am. Now, I want to tell you, uh, just like last week, I know, and and I get it, last week was a tough message for a lot of us to hear. But I will say this, the heart of last week's message is this, is that no matter what's happening in the news today, no matter what kind of political agendas are be, are taking place, no matter what kind of news avenue you're listening to or whatever, if it does not break your heart to hear about what is taking in humanity today, then I'm going to encourage you to check what's happening in your heart. And the heart of what we're preaching about here is that we must never give priority to our custom out of a pride over people. We choose people, relationship. Why? I'm so glad you asked. Because Jesus chooses people over anything. Now, I, I, I want to just pause right here and very clearly say a couple things to you as a church. We will strive to not bring things to the table that cause division and, and, and try to, um, in a sense, cause you to feel like you have to rise up. But I, I will uh, not rise up, but like rise up and, and fight for something in a bad way because I believe we need to rise up for, for, for good things. But I want to say this. There are topics that we will continue to address that though culture has made political, at the heart of God, they're not political. They're human people topics. So I understand, y'all, we are living in a time where division is a thing. And so we're going to be wise about how we bring some things to the table. And we're going to, we're going to have good proper feedback. And, and those that take the pulpit, you know, in, in, in regards to even just laying as a developing preacher, we're going, to, we're going to do that. And I know to some of you, if you're visiting, you may not have context. I'm just kind of talking as a family here, okay? But we're never going to shy away from the heart of God being a heart for humanity. And so when it comes to humility, we see this Pharisee spending all his time telling God about all the things he did right. Now, along with what I just said, we're also never going to shy away from the fact that there are things that we are called to do in a right way. Like, we are called to live a certain way. That's why we're preaching the series, right? Like, I don't, I want you to go home and do the right thing. Like, I, I, I want us to be the kind of people that are loving, that do the right thing, that are, that, that are contributing to society. But, but I, in that, in that, I, I want to warn you, because you can be right and not loving. 
I mean, Jesus himself speaking directly to the Pharisees later in the Gospels in regards to tithing. He says, you guys have done a great job. You've been tithing on mint and dill and all this stuff, but you've forgotten to essentially love these people. And then he goes, and just in case tithing or loving or any of these topics are unclear to you, Jesus himself goes, I want you to neglect neither of them. But he's getting to the heart. You can be right and not loving. You can be right and downright rude. And don't try to act like I don't see your posts on Facebook. Don't try to act like Facebook doesn't tell me so-and-so commented on this thread and I see what you say on the threads. You might be right, but do we need to be rude? What, what, What about this? What if we're right, but we're more interested about making a point than making a difference? God have mercy on us if we become a, a congregation of believers where making a point is more important than making a difference. Humility in the context of relationship will always say, I'd rather seek to understand than first be understood. Oh, but Tony, that sounds so unfair. Yeah. There's a laying down of my preferences. And you know what? Humility is going to require you and I to be learners, to have a growth mindset, to have a kind of mindset that leans into understanding. And in my case, if, if, I'm, if I just would have the permission to bear my soul here for a second, it means I, I got to learn to be quiet more and listen more. Uh, are you kind of like me at times where you're in the middle of a conversation and you're not actively listening, you're just waiting for the person to shut up so you can say what you got to say? Or is that just me that's that sinful? Like Humility requires, I'd rather understand you before I'm even understood. Humility says, I'm constantly learning. Humility recognizes that I need help. Humility says, I'm not there yet. Humility says, I'm willing to reach out for help. And I want you to watch this progression. I'm learning. I need help. I reach out for help. Humility also accepts the help that they get. And it doesn't make excuses as to why it can't accept this help. Humility says, I'm approachable. I just want to ask you a couple questions here. I know I'm getting all up in your grill, and it's only the second point. The third point's really going to you know, drive home the point and, and just get ready for it. But what would people that are closest to you say about your approachability? And now I'm not talking about you going, oh, I'm not afraid of confrontation or I'm not afraid of having, like, that's good. I'm not talking about just specifically, but like, are you approachable? Like, even if you're not afraid of uh, confrontation, is that seen by others as you're posturing yourself to weaponize the fact that you're not afraid of confrontation? So you're going to be better with words and still make sure you're right? I just, I, I just want to lay that before us. Are we actually approachable? Humility accepts the help. Humility doesn't make excuses. Humility is approachable. Humility says this, that my preferences are not primary. Okay. If you don't like the way I said it, let me show you how Paul in the Bible says it. Philippians 2, 3 to 8. 
Check this out. Don't be selfish. Don't you love when the Bible's blunt? It's like, like did you, do you feel that? Like, it's just, don't be selfish. Have you guys ever seen that Saturday Night Live skit where this person with like mental health issues is coming to the psychologist and the psychologist is like, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Over and over. And it's like, as if it were that easy, right? Like, no, I'm like suffering here. Give me some tools, like help me out. Here, here's your answer. Stop it. Sometimes the Bible's like that. It's like, God, so what's the trick here? Like, what's the secret sauce to humility here, God? Don't be selfish. By the way, I just want to help you out. Don't ever weaponize the word of God. So like, Husbands, if you're arguing with your wife, don't pull out Philippians 2, 3 and go, you're being selfish. See, and it says, don't be selfish. <laughs> it ain't going to go anywhere, okay? Don't be selfish. And then it goes on to say, hear this. This is, this is one of the most beautiful Christologies Paul has ever written. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Man, can I just say that's difficult? Like nothing that we're reading right now is easy. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And here's the Christology. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. By the way, go to the merch booth and get yourself a Jesus People Hope for All mug, okay? That was just a little shameless plug. Jesus himself chooses relationship, hear me, with us over being right. Did you notice that? This is, I, I don't think this reality has sank in for a lot of us. So I'm, I'm going to hopefully try to get us to see this. Do you realize Jesus was fully God? He's the one that determined what was right and what was wrong. He is the full righteousness of God. Like this is, this is fully God. And he gives that up to have relationship with us. That, like, does that not blow your mind? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just obsessed with the gospel of Jesus. But he chooses us over being right. Now we know he's right. He determined what's right. And he empties himself of that, we just read, in order so that you and I could have relationship with him. That's... Jesus is thinking leads him to humility. Jesus' heart leads him to humility. Jesus' heart for humanity leads him to humility. Now I wonder, my question is, are we willing to live out this kind of humility? You know what's interesting is just last week, I had somebody, how many of you know that sometimes, um, and maybe you don't know this, so I'm informing you, sometimes as a pastor, you get people asking you questions that you know they're just trying to kind of like corner you a little bit. 
Maybe in your workplace you've had this, if like in your position of leadership or something, where somebody approaches you and you know their intent is not to like, oh, glean. It's like, I'm gonna corner you and see how you respond. So somebody came up to me about a week ago and said, um, well, why do we read so much in the gospels about the three years of Jesus's ministry, but we get very little of his first 30 years of life? I said, and I, I want you to hear me on this church. It points to his humility. Why? Jesus was born into a culture where in order to become a Jewish rabbi or teacher, you needed to submit yourself to years, a lifetime of teaching under a rabbi. The first 30 years of Jesus's life, he is submitted to a rabbi's teaching. Are you, are you catching one? This is God. It's his teachings. And he submits himself for 30 years to a rabbi and doesn't get released until the rabbi says, until his time came. And we can't stand if a sermon goes 10 minutes over. Are we willing to be this humble? Are we willing to be this moldable? Are we willing to live at this level of surrender? I know what I'm preaching today ain't easy, y'all. It ain't tickling your ears. I get it. But this is a life God is calling us to. And man, I'm telling you what, as a person who stands up here week in and week out, I'm just gonna tell you, we are gonna be the kind of church that chooses relationship over being right every time. In fact, can I just put on like a father's hat for the house for a second? And again, if you're visiting us today, love you all. This is what you would get if you became a part of the family. So welcome. I'm not going to bait and switch you into thinking it's something else. So this is what you see is what you get right here right now. Um, okay. No, no, never mind. Never mind. Let's, let's just keep it going here. Uh, I'm, a life where we think humbly, speak humbly, live humbly allows us to walk humbly. But what I want to say in regards to, to the humility is that it can't be a show that we put on. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that you can't muster up humility? I mean, I'm telling you, in the easiest moment for me to be humble with my wife about the darn garden beds, <laughs> like I couldn't muster it up. And... So I'm not talking to you about putting on a front. In fact, uh, C.S. Lewis, who's, who's known for having said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, which is a great quote, but that's not the quote I want to really quote. The quote I really want to quote from C.S. Lewis is, he says this, a man is never so proud as when striking an attitude of humility. Lane comes up here. Here you go, Tony. I set your pulpit for you. Did you guys all see? I put it here for him. Oh, I, I serve two services. I, I don't miss a Sunday. Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I, oh, it's because oh, it's you miss. I don't miss. Oh, man. Do you know how much I give to the poor? Oh. 
You guys, I spent three hours in the Word of God this, just this morning at breakfast. And that's not even, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. Now, I'm exaggerating. But do you see how disgusting that is, for lack of better terms? I'm not asking you to muster something up. It's not something we can fake. It's something we must grow into. Humility we grow into. And, and you might be asking the burning question, how do we grow into humility? I'm so glad you asked it because that's my third and final point today. And that is this. Humility recognizes the plank in my own eye. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to pause and talk to you as a father of this house. I think the reason why some of us have seem to have a lot of time on our hands. Some of us seem a little bored because we have plenty of time to critique others, talk about others, give feedback that wasn't asked to others, and quite frankly, talk bad about others. Because I, I think we're bored or maybe we're not spending the time we need to spend pulling the plank out of our own eye first. Matthew 7, 3, 5 says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. You think I'm harsh? My boy Chewy over here. <laughs> Chewy is a Latino nickname for the name Jesus, okay? So for some of you, I needed to give context last, uh, last um, service too. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your own brother's eyes. You know why it's so easy for some of us to spend time thinking, noodling over talking about others because we're not spending enough time focusing, working on, noodling over, praying, working through our own stuff. Church, I understand that the leadership of this house will never be perfect. But I want to let you know something, that it's come to my attention that some of you have plenty of time on your hands to have a lot of opinions about your small group leaders, your kids' church leaders, your pastors. And I just want to encourage you to take care of you. I think a lot of us have a lot of times on our hands to critique the person next to us. Did you see what they did? If I was in their shoes, well, you're not, you're in yours. I love you. Some of you are like, I finally brought a guest to church. We're building culture here. And we will not be the kind of people, so help me God, that become so critical of one another 
while missing what's right in front of us. Causing more division than we're already experiencing outside of these walls. So I want to encourage you, my friend, my sheep, strap up your own boots. Don't pretend you're in their boots and care for the things that God's wanting to care for in you. You ready for some comedic relief? Okay. So I say all that I say. Meanwhile, last week or a couple weeks ago now, I don't remember, me and a couple folks from staff got to go to a conference, a regional conference of our, our network of churches that kind of is like a covering and fellowship for, for us. Uh, some, some of the folks didn't get to go because of other arrangements, so we got to take kind of a smaller team this time. And uh, I was sitting at the airport. But by the way, I'm kind of a, a, a prepper in the sense that like if the plane takes off at 10, we must be at the airport at 6 a.m. Okay, come on, somebody. Like, like, Tony, it's Boise. Yeah, but it's grown a lot. Right? So, I mean, I'm like, your boy's like ready with my cash for, you know, the pay-it-yourself bagel stand in the Boise airport. Come on, some, some of you didn't know about that. Okay. By the way, pay more than what you should for that. Okay. Those people work hard. I know the bagels are stale, okay? It's not their fault. They've been sitting out a lot. So we're sitting at the airport, and because we got there so early, guess what I had plenty of time to do? People watch. And if Tony isn't careful, most of the time people watching turns to people judging. Then people critiquing. Then I go, hmm, and we come away with trips where we go, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> because now I'm judging them so hard that I would go, I would never. Oh, man. So I know that what I just said may sound like a hard pill to swallow. I am not propping myself up as someone who has that figured out. But I want to tell you, I want to be the kind of moldable human that is humble before the Lord and says, I am willing to look at myself before I look at others, even in a position where I am. Even in a position where, as First Peter reads, I am called, as an elder in this house, I am called to set an example for you. Now, we won't always get it right, and I get that, but we will not be the kind of people that live to critique others when there's things in our own lives that we must look at. Now, recognizing that we need work is one thing. Doing something about it is where the difference lies. By the way, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to now, just to make you laugh again. It was at this point in first service, and, I, and you didn't, if you didn't come to first service, I didn't want you to miss out on a good laugh, that my wife held up a sign, handwritten sign that said, fly. And I'm like, I'm talking about the airport. Also, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, oh, maybe she's telling me to fly through this point. I'm kind of behind on time. Second service is coming. And... And so I'm kind of like questioning what I'm saying. I'm like, and I'm like, okay, what's happening here? And so she, and she's sitting right here, right? So I come right here and she shoots me daggers and goes. 
And she's like, First services happen in real life. So y'all, I'm, I'm like right here now at this point. I'm like, the camera doesn't need to follow me anywhere. I'm gonna be right here. X marks the spot right here. So I'm like, okay, I know I gotta get off stage at some point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to land this plane. Fly reference again. So like, oh, all this stuff, right? And I'm like, okay, maybe when the band comes up, I can be like, you know, but, but can I be honest? Like these pants got a little tight this last summer. And so you kind of got to like, really, you know? <laughs> and so, so I just go, I literally go, speaking of humility, and I just, <laughs> in front of everybody, y'all. Literally, I'm like, this is how God keeps you humble. Be because, 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 check this out. And this is not an exaggeration. I know pastors exaggerate all the time in their stories. I don't, I swear. And, uh, and so I... I, you know, we we're talking about this trip, literally on this trip, we're having lunch around the table of our Airbnb and we're just talking about ministry and all this stuff. And we were, we were talking about how we were really um, relieved that in this big, large church with a ton of production, they had a ton of mistakes in the service and no one seemed to know what they were doing. And so we're like, oh man, that makes us feel so good as, as church workers will understand that. So, so then me and my pride, I go, I have my whole routine before I get up on stage. I, I check my socks, I check my shirt, I check my microphone, and I said, and I always check that my fly is up. <laughs> Last week I said that. Today, first service, after the first song, I drank a lot of water. So I went to the bathroom, and guess what I didn't do? Check my fly. And so as I'm speaking on humility, God goes, here you go, sonny. Okay, okay, I'm gonna land the plane, so band, you can come on up, my fly's up, we're good, like we're, we're we got this, we got this, y'all. We're a family church, come on. So, so as I said, recognizing that there are things in us is one thing, but doing something about it is where the difference lies, because, and can I tell you, talking about the things that need to change in you is not actually taking action. This is why, I would highly encourage you, church, and I just want to give you a very practical, excuse me, practical piece that will allow you to walk in humility for the rest of your life. Choose good, wise people to be able to have the permission to speak into your life. You need people in your life to call you up and to call you out. And I'm telling you, church, I know I brag on our church a lot, but that's because I'm proud of who we are, okay? And I would hope that you would want a pastor that's proud of who we are. But this is part of why I love Legacy, because we're not just multi-generational, we're intergenerational. In the sense of, are you young here today? And by young, I mean, is there someone 10 years older than you? Then that, by definition, is young. You might be 70. Find somebody who's 80 to speak into your life. You might be, you might be 50, getting ready to look at retirement. Go talk to somebody who's walked through it. You're here raising babies? Look, out, look, look for those mothers and dads, those great-grandfathers, grandmothers, and go, how did you do it? And welcome the feedback. Well, don't just recognize I've got a gap. Do something about it. 
And there's something beautiful about a church and a people that go, I need somebody speaking into me that can call me out, that can call me up. I don't want to be like the emperor with no clothes where I'm just living this life with these blind spots because I haven't allowed no one into my life to speak into my life. And I'm telling you, nothing, nothing holds you accountable to humility like that. And in my experience, by the way, I've had to seek out mentorship. Mentors don't just come to me and say, I would love to mentor you. Maybe it's because it's me and people don't, aren't attracted to that. I don't know. But I want to encourage you. You've got to seek them out. In my own personal life over the last three years now, I intentionally sought after men that were ahead in life and in ministry and in just their spiritual walk. And it has changed my, changed my life. It's changed the way I relate with my children, the way I, it, I want to tell you, it's changed the way I preach. It's changed the way I treat my wife. Let us not be like the Pharisee who declares, I'm certainly not like those people. And when they call you out, when they call you up, I want to encourage you to not always assume that they're wrong and you're right. Maybe, just maybe, there's an option in there somewhere that you might be wrong. When somebody calls you out, do you get defensive? I want to encourage you. Why? Find out why you get defensive. Instead, be humble. Be moldable. Recognize that there is brokenness in all of us. Why? Because here's the beautiful thing, and, I, and I'm landing the plane on this, and I, I'm literally giving you three last things to consider in a second. They're all going to come on the screen in a second, but, but I, gotta, I, I need this to sink into your heart. When you recognize that there's brokenness in you, the most beautiful thing is that you will be met with God's grace. I know that I quoted 1 Peter and, James, and, and it also is mentioned in James 4, but Proverbs 3.34 says that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Some versions will actually translate this into he has no use for work with the proud while works with the humble. In other words, pride, he's going, I can't work with this. Humility, I can work with this. Would you stand to your feet? No matter where you're at on your journey of faith, I want to encourage you today to do the following three things when it comes to humility, growth, and understanding where you're at. Would you first take a moment today, even as the band begins to play this song, and in a second we'll have uh, the prayer team in the back corner for you to be able to get prayer if you need prayer for anything. But I want to encourage you to just first recognize what is the brokenness in me, God? What are the things that need growth? What's the plank, if you will, in my eye? Then take a moment to repent. Repentance literally means, man, I recognize I'm going this direction. It's the wrong direction. I'm going to turn around and go the other way. Say, God, I, I'm sorry for what I've done. I don't want to go back to it. Please forgive me. And you accept this forgiveness. And here's a beautiful thing. His grace washes over you and it allows you to be renewed. Father, I thank you for these people, both online and in person today. I thank you, Father, because all of us are being molded by your hand. Father, I thank you because none of us can live up to your standard, but in you and through you, we can be molded into the image of your son, Jesus. Today, I pray, God, that you would help us recognize the areas of our lives that we need to approach with humility. 
Then God, if there's things in our lives that we need to repent from, help us, God, to simply humbly repent before you. And then God, let you renew us and make us whole. Pray for anybody in this room that's never given their life to Jesus. Pray, God, that today would be that day. Pray now, God, that as we sing about our great need for you, it would be met with your great grace, being sufficient for all of the areas of our lives that need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to sing this song. If you need prayer for anything, you can feel free to leave your seats now and head on over to the prayer corner. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus or maybe you have in the past, you walked away, you want to come back, I want to encourage you to leave your seat and head on over to the prayer corner. Somebody will walk you through what that looks like. For the rest of us, those online, let's sing this song declaring our great need for Jesus. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.